Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Hey, Mark. What's up, man? Not much. Uh, yeah, last week I had a pretty pretty good week. Yeah. I've been integrating that new Meta API from mm-hmm. Airtable. So part of that was easy, like just redesigning the page and interface and the user experience. Sure. But but then when I got down to the code where I actually do the syncing, I, I realized that the Meta API is returning these different field types than what they they were when I used my my uh, script to oh. to rip the metadata. Sure. So like, you know, in one side it's called uh, a text field and on the other side it's called a single line text field. Mm. So now all that logic that I have where I'm where I'm using the type of field to make decisions, I have to either support both or or now I've decided what I need to do is convert the old ones to the new format. Okay. Because I mean, right now everyone's using the old format, but in the long run, my customers will be using the new format. Right. So I might as well just convert the old ones. Okay. Uh, is so, that a ton of work? It's uh, it's it's delicate work. Yeah. Oh yeah. For you sure. Know, I'm, I have to be very careful that I'm not breaking anything. So, yeah. So I think this week I'll be able to finish it. Nice. Like I was, I was. I thought I would finish it in a week, but it's more delicate than I thought. So, but I think that next week I'll be able to finish it. And I have also there's a few bug fixes that I'm gonna release at the same time. I really need to concentrate on one thing at a time, though, because whenever I'm in the code, I I notice all the to dos that I. Oh. That, that that's how I that's how I organize my to dos. I just put comments in the code. Yeah. You know, so you know, if I know there's a bug somewhere, I'll just go where I know the bug is and add comment. You know, bug. Yeah, same. I, I do it. I work exactly yeah. the same way. And then I have a, a a grep script that just finds them all and prints them. So yeah, so when I'm in the code and I see these to do, oh yeah, I could fix that right now. And um, so I did some UX uh, improvements while doing it, but now I'm realizing maybe I I shouldn't have. I should have uh-huh. concentrated on one thing at a time. Just. You know, change the UX for the Airtable integration. And make sure that all the field types are now. I'm using the new ones, and then after that, I could do the improvements. So, would, do you think it was a distraction? Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it was fun code that I wanted to write. Makes sense. You know, I mean, it's 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 for it's for the end user. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a problem that I have seen where some people have a lot of columns in Airtable. They'll have like, you know, 20 columns or something. So I'm just using this bootstrap component right now where it does a little pull down menu. But the component, depending on where it is on the screen, sometimes it'll pop up underneath the button. Sometimes it'll pop up above the button. Mm-hmm. And so the I see the user has to scroll a lot often. Like we'll go uh... scroll up, choose the column, and then they have to scroll back down to where they were to continue working. Sure. So I, I've improved that and I even added a, a search so you can filter the columns by typing a few letters. Yeah, there you go. So, but you know, I, I should have really put that on hold and concentrate on on the Airtable integration. Yeah, that is extremely difficult. What <laughs> yes. a what a task of willpower that is. To yeah, yeah that low hanging fruit is just so delicious. I just exactly. want to take a bite of it. 
you know, especially when you 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 the the solution comes to your mind right at that moment. You think, yeah, that's how I'm gonna do it, and you're so excited about doing it. You're <laughs> like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do fix this right now. It's gonna be awesome. I got this. Yeah, and then wait, what was I working on? Oh shit, yeah, <laughs> Airtable integration. Oh yeah, this really important thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> this will affect the bottom line a lot more than this user experience. And, and uh, yeah, that's something else I did. I looked at my data. So I looked at the workflow, uh, all the signups and how far they've made it along the onboarding. So, because okay. setting up an Airtable workflow t- is like four steps. So I was able to see at which step do people bail out. And you would expect, you know, it's 25% each because it's four steps. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that second step, the Airtable integration has twice as much dropouts as the other ones. Yeah, I mean, just from what you mentioned last week of giving users the snippet to run in their browser, pull in the console and pull down the HTML elements to give you the data you need. You mentioned the frustration that some of the users were having of trying to go in and pull that out, figuring out how to run this script, even if it is bringing up, even if it is the simple task or seemingly simple task of opening up the console and running a little snippet, how many people were actually tripping up on. Yeah, it's so... It was so different than what any other site does. Like mm-hmm. it's users are not used to it. Mm. And I actually spoke to someone last week who who mentions who mentioned that yeah they they dropped out at that point because they they were afraid of pasting a script, you know, in totally. in their Airtable page. Yeah, I mean I understand, but what what did they expect the script to do? Like if you give me your API key, I I can do lots of damage. Like <laughs> yeah, that's. But it's like I, the script can't do much more than what I can already do with an API key. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I mean, already this brings to mind a few things about like when you talk about needing to run a script on another page, how that is a new concept to people. And a lot of the design material that I've been reading saying, you know, you need to piggyback off of the concepts that people already know and understand. So getting them to run a script, even though it might provide you excellent data, is still a jump for them. And yeah. And then again, being able to say like, oh, running this script is something that scares me, but giving you my API key doesn't. And it's interesting yeah. to think about the, the level of... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're, like, yeah, I mean, that script is harmless, basically. I mean, I guess it could always be doing something, but just, I mean, you're given, you've taken off all your clothes. Like you've given me your API key. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm avoiding them a lot of work. Because oh, totally. before, before that, you know, I was asking them for their API key, mm-hmm. the base ID of their tape of their Airtable base, mm-hmm. the IDs of each table they wanted to sync, and then the names of the the views they wanted to sync. Right. It was so much back and forth. Like, go go rip all that information from the API page. It was a lot of back and forth. Totally. Now here it was like there's only one back and forth. You copy the script, go paste it, come back, and then paste the results mm-hmm. to me it seems so much easier but there's the human psychology part of it where totally. like the idea of pasting a script into another website it sets off alarms yeah no i that's if you had given me if i was going through the flow and i had encountered that step i would think this is really clever <laughs> now, granted i would probably attempt to read the the code beforehand to see what it was actually doing but like it's definitely scraping data off of that page. Yeah, I, and I, I do so provide clever. them a I do provide them an overview of the script. Like, mm-hmm. You know, there's a pull down. You want to see what the script looks like? There it is. Mm-hmm. You click it, it opens up, and you, you see it. But you know, 
how how well do they understand JavaScript? Yeah, That's the first yeah. question. Totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you think about the, the your audience and what they, well, your your customers and what they are trying to do and what their technical skill set is. Exactly. I just thought, well, at least if I'm open, I'm showing them. The, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of uh, open source apps that people trust just because they're open source. They don't actually look at the the source themselves, but they assume other people have looked at it. So I was going for that. I was hoping that that would uh, make them feel more at ease. Yeah. Well, either way, now you can bypass that completely. You have a much exactly. Better. You just have a better. That, and that's why that's why that's the most important part. Yeah. To fix that. I can't wait to see what this does to your funnel. Yes. Same here. I mean, I was surprised when I looked at where people were dropping out. Mm. I mean, I was surprised and I wasn't, but because a, a big percentage of them make it through, so I was confident. I liked I liked my funnel. Like I felt confident about it. Mm-hmm. Enough people are making it to the all the way to the end. And paying, so you know, it's actually one of the best funnels I've had on the other products that I've built. But when I looked at the details, you know, where are people dropping out? Then it's like, wow, it's obvious. This is where they're all dropping out. Yeah, no, that's so cool. Like already, you've got the you've got enough data to be able to look and improve. It's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, that's my my plan this week is to finish that while trying not to get too distracted on other bug fixes and improvements. Yeah. <laughs> one thing at a time. How has uh, support been? Uh, actually, I've had a lot less support this week. Ah, nice. Which you think would be a good thing. Like, you know, I was complaining last week that there was too much of it and I was having a hard time concentrating on coding. Yeah. But now, because, you know, I'm a flawed human, <laughs> there's <laughs> less support and I'm all anxious about it. Why is there less support? That's is interesting. There... <laughs> So, of course, I went and looked at my analytics. And like, What's going on? Is there less traffic? Is there less? No, there's as, there's actually more signups this week than there were last week. Amazing. So there's just, it's, it's just randomness. The people who signed up this week, I don't know. They're, they're more familiar with it. They're more confident. I don't know. You're just a sick developer and a sick human being. <laughs> exactly. Amazing there's always that. something wrong. And if there's nothing wrong, I got to make something up. Mm, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's great, though. So, now you get some time to focus, pull in, and just get that stuff done. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. I think I'm confident uh, I should be should have it done this week. How about you? How was your week? Yeah, my week was kind of up and down. Um, so my focus last week was finishing up all of the uh, user warning side stuff. I needed to alert the user when there were, whenever there are any adverse events that come out of Plaid, low transactions or uh, what looks to be an incomplete set of transactions. So I generated a lot of warnings and I tuned the UI to put those warnings out and have the user acknowledge that I see this as a warning, I know there's something I need to check, or I need to reach out to Matt and we need to resolve this together. Those changes are made. They're done. Uh, I'm releasing to production just before this call. I was releasing to production. So my goal for the week is to have that all out. I should have that done today, have that all into production, and then messaging a few people from my mailing list and asking them to do a couple test flows. I've tweaked the code so that you can run through for free. I have kind of a Boolean that I've set up where I can say, just do this report for free whatever. So I can have people come in and just run the test. So hopefully that's enticing enough to have some of my users say, oh, great. Yeah, sure. I'll 
run it for free and I'll check the results and can, you know, I'll give Matt some feedback. So my goal is to get that feedback done, uh, get that initial set of feedback run. The other plans for the week were based around the consulting that I've been So um, I wanted to take a little bit more time to talk about that because it's been a pretty big topic for me for the last probably six months. When I first set out from my full-time employment, I had realized that you know, I was interested in starting a company and going out on my own and full-time employment. I'm a very dedicated employee, maybe a little too dedicated. It's really difficult for me to create side projects when I'm working as much as I am for a full-time job. So I decided to go part-time. Well, my, my employer was great about it. I actually initially quit and they allowed me to go part-time. Super grateful for that. And yeah. it really helped me. What I wanted to do, I, I believed that the opportunity that I had stumbled upon, which is, you know, in Canada, there's this research and development grant that's offered by the government. Uh, it's called SRED, the Scientific Research and Experimental Development Grant. A lot of companies claim it. It's very popular. Um, so I had been, I had been in around the shred, we call it, uh, the shred scene for a number of years. A lot of my previous employers claimed it, and I'd been involved creation of all the uh, working with the consultants. So typically, you know, taking a step back, when you want to claim this program, you there's an industry of consultants around it, and typically you bring a consultant in, and they help you to formulate the work that you've been doing so that it fits the program, and then they help you. And I'd been involved with some of my previous employers, uh, working with these consultants to explain the projects and helping the consultants to frame the work. So. I believed that I could do something very similar and act almost like a bookkeeper of time and be able to be an intermediary between the company and the consultant. The tech industry doesn't love working with the consultants because, well, it's more like engineers don't like working with the consultants <laughs> because they want to explain the projects they're working on in their terms the way they want, and they want the receiver to understand it. And a lot of the time, the consultants, want to, they want to think at a higher level. And if they get down to the nitty-gritty, then... It, makes it, it actually makes it more difficult for them to write the report because it becomes too technical. It needs to be more about the business and the problem you're solving. Yeah, they just want to know, is this research or not? Exactly. Or how can I take this and frame it as... So I got involved in the industry because I really thought I can help these... Not only can I help the consultants, but I can also help these these companies because they don't want to spend time on this. The, you know, the big secret here is that these these grants are loss aversion. It's not like it's helping your bottom line. You're just offsetting your cost. Now, granted, it's a lot of money, so people it's very attractive. A lot of people want to do it, but it's not something that anybody's really excited to do. So I saw that I believed, you know, maybe there's some products I can write. Maybe there's, you know, there's some special specialty consulting I can do. You know, I'll start as a service business, and I'll help a few people, and I'll see if there's a product to build and kind of take that approach. And that was awesome. I learned so much about you know, what it means to have an ideal customer and like, you know, being able to understand the way your customers think. Like one of the most integral things that I learned was when I was interviewing people and validating, um, someone said, you know, this program matters so much. And then he opened up his balance sheet and he showed me the financials for his business. And he just like pointed to one line. He said, my job is to make this number go from red to black and shred helps me make this number go from red to black. And at that moment, you really understand what the value of this program, uh, the value of the program is for the finance side of the business. And then you start to interview engineers and you realize what it is to their side of the business because finance wants this to run, but the engineering department doesn't want to do it. Anyway, it's a whole back and forth, but it's, it was an opportunity. So I started to follow it and I got a couple of clients 
And, you know, I have those clients today and they're paying me to kind of do this work in an ongoing capacity. And I was really excited before the holidays. I had signed my, you know, I was really excited. I was, I was producing a lot of work for for my clients and they were extremely happy with the work I was doing. One of my clients was so happy that he actually brought, he wanted to bring me in for um, um, a shift at the end of, year, end of the year that was happening because he just wanted to delegate it to me and he knew that I could do it. So it was really positive to see that. And what I realized over the holidays was I was actually having a lot of trouble with this business. It's working. I, I, I'm still early, so I know I need to charge more in order to make it more viable. Right now, I'm, you know, I'm just not charging enough. It, it needs to be a lot more. And I believe I can command that. But what I'm realizing is that in all of the work that I've been doing on side projects and for my own business, I've realized that, you know, like uncertainty is this thing that hurts. <laughs> it hurts all the time, always. And there's no way to, you know, nothing in this world is truly certain. But it really, really helps to have your foot, one foot planted in something that you really know and understand. And for me, that's code. And I thought when I was starting this consulting business that I, I confused being able to code with being technical. And I thought, well, I can use the technical expertise I have to fuel this business and create something of value. And I still think that exists, but it's not playing to my strengths in the way that I want it. It's really nice to be able to say, today is scary, I'm being asked to do a lot of scary things, or I have to talk to my customers in a certain way, and then to realize, wow, it's all really scary, and I don't have a haven I can go to. Um, I read all the time, like, for example, in Rob Fitz's book, The Mom Test, developers find sanctuary in code. We want to run to code because it's safe. It's the safe place. And... That is so unbelievably true. If you put me in a room, I'll code for the rest of my life. Like, I feel very good about my ability to produce code. But when you're doing a lot of scary things all together, I realize that being able to go and code is a really nice break from doing all of the other scary things. And as long as you're diligent about the fact that you're not writing too much code or getting distracted by code when there really is something that's a lot more valuable on the other side, being able to have your foot anchored in, I can code, I know how to code when there's a technical problem, I can tell you right now whether it can be solved or not or what's needed in order to solve it. And I realized that with this consulting business, I was hoping that I could fall back more on coding, but I, at least at this point, I just can't. Um, what I've discovered is that you know, another tool isn't really the answer to the problem that these companies are having. They want it done. And okay. it, my thesis is that, you know, I don't really see a tool coming out of this. So now I'm left with this business that is making me money. It's not making me a ton of money. And if I want to be successful with it, I need to, I really need to increase my prices. But I'm finding myself not really enjoying the work as much as I thought I would. It's a lot of headache and it's not as rewarding as I hoped. It. And yeah, and again, with the amount of uncertainty that's in it, it would be a lot better if code was at least some component to what I'm doing. Right now, I've written some code to pull issues and stuff from Trello and Jira and that sort of thing. But, you know, that code is small and sparse and it won't really ever change. I'll just plug in a new, if I were to onboard a new uh, a new customer, I would just stick a new API key in and I'd be able to pull down some new data and sort it out myself. So I've really been leaning toward, well, what's been on my mind is, what do I want to do with this consulting? I kind of came to a realization in the last few weeks that the th thing I don't want in my life is to ever be forced into doing something. So I've, in all of my contracts, I have escape hatches built in. I can, <laughs> I can just burn it all down if I wanted to. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when I left my job, I had, you know, over a year of runway. And not that I feel time pressure to, you know, start making money again, 
but I don't ever want to be forced back into a job because my bank account has hit zero. I, I always want some sort of, of cash flow. So I'm kind of saying no to this cash flow opportunity that I've created for myself. And it's scary. <laughs> it's scary to, to have put so much work into something and to see it working, but still think, yeah, you know, this isn't really for This isn't really what I want for myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it as a huge success, actually. <laughs> I mean, you, like, you went in there as an experiment. Like, you, you wanted to, your goal was you wanted to start as a service, but eventually be a productized service. Yeah. So you would have some code that would actually do most of the job, and then you have a bit of hands-on for, for the rest. So it, it sounds like the experiment has been successful because now you see that that's not what the business can be. There is no opportunity for, for a SaaS or a tool that can be reused for all the customers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Cortland Allen gave out a, an interesting tidbit once, either in the Indie Hackers forums or on his podcast, when he said it was something to the tune of the best way to start something is just to get started. Like, it doesn't matter if you're working on the best idea ever or, you know, if this is going to be the one or, you know, even that's a flawed concept. But the idea of just getting, starting to do business just wakes you up to the problems that businesses have and what it's like and what you want and what you don't want and what you're willing to put up with. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you say, like, I think I agree. I think I set out to learn something. I learned a ton and I also learned yeah, I when I model a business for what I want for the rest of my life or, you know, at least for the for the medium term. Yeah, a service like this is only okay as long as I can lean fall back on my I totally understand. And you know the, how the, how you were talking about coding, how you know it feels good, you know you can you love to get into it. Yeah. I see it almost as as therapy or meditation. Oh, absolutely. Like that that mental state of going to flow and then being so focused on one thing for so long mm -hmm. it, it it has the same benefits as meditation that's very true and it feels so good to focus like it, it's such a good yeah. way to escape uh escape the world around you into a purpose into one focusable point exactly for hours or days or weeks it's, yeah it's there's a reason we do it it feels so good yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah after a good session like i feel great for the rest of the day mm, same same like i feel relaxed and willing to more open to to do other stuff yeah when i have a good coding session the day feels way more productive i got something done today because i entered that flow state you know whether i actually accomplish whatever goal i set out to do doesn't it doesn't really matter quite as much it felt like i put in the put in some cycles <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that's I mean, another problem <laughs> goalpost moving etc but yeah if you're if you're if you're trying to like design mm -hmm. the life you know a lifestyle that you want and it involves coding and it sounds like you've you've identified so at least for right this now business is not is not i have three clients i'm dealing with it's it's a busy time right now because the canadian end of year is december 31st so two of my clients have uh in canada you can end your 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 company's fiscal year can end at any point in the year um but it's very popular to have it end on december 31st so two of my clients are ending their years and want to file this paperwork so i'm swamped I'm spending far more time on the consulting than I wanted to, but that's okay. I, I worked really hard for these clients and they like me and they like what I do and I like them and we will complete the end of year and I'll get a paycheck and they'll be happy and I'll be happy and that'll be great. And that'll be a good reward for all the work that I've put in for the business. But I don't think I'll, at, right. for the time being, I think I'm going to stop 
actively talking to companies on that side and trying to find new clients. Um, I've kind of had a few clients or interested parties on the back burner for a little while, but I've been very hesitant to pick up more because I haven't known what my velocity is. It'll be very difficult for me, even now, if I were to take on new clients, to take on another client whose year ended at the end of December would be a lot. That would mean that my January, February, and potentially March would just be swamped forevermore uh, while I deal with this stuff. So that's kind of been, so what I've been thinking is I just will let those, I'll let those companies down and say, you know, I'm not really taking any more clients right now. And then I'll close out the end of year. And then I, for the clients I do have, I can make decisions as to whether I want to, maybe I want one client I can keep for cash flow going forward, um, or maybe I just want to turn that business off because cash flow is kind of the next part of this. Of I never want to be forced to go back to work. I never want to be forced to make a decision that I don't want to make. Uh, so finding cash flow, I've been considering, I got an offer to do some freelancing last month, and that was really interesting because I can command a very decent hourly rate well, while freelance. So I could cover a lot of my bases and even then some by freelance. If I said two days a week or, or something along those lines, that could be very interesting. That could extend my runway for a very long time and give me time to launch more projects to play around and not to feel pressure. I've been very burnt out, more burnt out than I thought I was these last few months. It would be really nice to not have the pressure of saying, well, you can't stop right now because you need to make money because it's you. It's just you. <laughs> Money's not going to come from any from from nowhere. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult situation when when that clock is ticking. I hate that clock. I don't like the clock, but I love <laughs> I love coding. So maybe doing something like some pure freelancing work will give me. And you think it's reasonable to only work two days a week? So that's a really good question. I think it's going to depend on the contract. Um, it, maybe it's something where I pick up a contract for a month and I only do that, and that pays for expenses for another couple months or. I haven't done much freelancing like this before. I really have only had probably two contracts in my life and they were for non-technical people and they just asked me for an estimate of, you know, how long will this take? And I said, you know, two months. And I just did the work on the weekends or in the evening um, and I was much younger. So I had the energy to do Now it's dedicating multiple days per week and depending on what the client wants as a deliverable yeah it's a, it's a very good question at least the client that came to me before christmas the project was an ongoing one. he had a long list of features that he wanted to build and said you know i'm looking for velocity really like we just want to get we want to start momentum in the project and start going the project was cool i know the guy um it would have been really fun and then thinking about sitting down to write very fun code instead of doing consulting work that I find less fun really made me really made me do a double take and think, am I doing the, the fun thing? Am I doing the thing I want to do? Am I giving up? Yeah, I, I don't know. I totally, totally understand. Yeah, yeah. That flawed human brain. <laughs> oh, man. Brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> so, okay, here's the question. Like, why did you quit your job? Because you, you used to code 40 hours a week. Yeah. I quit my job because I wanted to work on my own projects. I wanted to work for myself and I really couldn't, I was finding it very difficult to, while working a full-time job, while working the full-time job that I had. I won't say that, you know, all full-time jobs ever will produce a situation like that, but that particular one, I was working a lot and I needed to depart in order to find it. So what, why is working for yourself better than working for someone else? So I don't know the answer to that. It was something that I wanted to try. 
I've always worked for other people, and I felt like there are more opportunities now than ever to create things and put it on the internet and learn all these new marketing skills and sales skills to be able to talk to people and create a create a solution, create value and make money. And I really wanted to try that. I'm really interested in it. Okay. So yeah, so just coding is not enough. You want you want to create something also that yeah. you can say is yours, you created. Yeah. I th- one thing that I've found is from working at different companies, I've definitely found that I have a voice. I have a very strong voice, a very strong technical voice, I'll say. And I want to make my own decisions when it comes to technical decisions. I don't need somebody to oversee me in that case. So I know what good code looks like, and I know what compromises look like, and I'm cool to make trade-offs when it comes to, you know, the code's not perfect. That's okay. And, you know, maybe working at a small company would help me, would fix that for me. But I had the runway to do it. I had lots of ideas and I still do. And I was interested in trying it for myself. Yeah, that was kind of my motivation for for ending my full-time. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like the consulting business is is not the right fit. Like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I really thought that it, it's taken me up until now to realize that coding is not the same as technical orientation, I guess you could say. Like be, being technical is not the same as coding. Right. And I thought they were the same and I, I got it confused. Turns out they're not the same. They're very different. That's a great lesson to learn. Like, yeah. That it, it's, you know, it's the actual coding that, that you want to do. Yeah. And I mean, there are other interesting flaws with the business as well or with the with the consulting it because it's a year because the because the engagement is a year long because it's a tax credit thing you don't get to move very quickly it's finding a cadence meeting with people finding that process and running that process over and over and over again until you reach the end of the year and then pushing it all into a form and submitting it and I find myself wanting to move a little more quickly. Like it would be nice to be able to come in and say, great, we have this project. The project is going to take a month. It's going to take three months. But being able to dictate a an engagement that's a lot shorter to be able to say, all right, I can come in. I can do the work. I can learn. I can, I, I can make mistakes. I can learn. I can improve. And then I can get better and move on to the next client. I think I like smaller. Well, I, I say I like it, but I don't know yet. I have to, everything I've done up until now has been like getting buried. Basically a year long engagement <laughs> is a long time, but being able to provide value on a more ongoing basis, ongoing, right. We're still on a shorter term. Right. So, uh, it turns out that the, the app, the product idea that you had, like F bars, mm-hmm. Uh, has the same financial year problem I know, as the consulting right? Isn't business. that funny? Oh my God, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, yep, you are totally right. This was yet another idea that I had <laughs> because the most annoying things tend to, they tend to happen once a year and you're just on fire because there's so much pain. So with this, at least you can come to me once <laughs> once a year and then we can we can part ways and you can come back the, the next year and I don't have to follow you around every month asking you, is that shreddable or not? With this, yeah. at least, it's I can just get them to sign into their bank accounts at the end of the year. But yeah, isn't that funny? Just creating the same the same circumstances over and over again. <laughs> hmm. But I mean, I think it's 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 fine because you know, you'll have this one product out there mm-hmm. and because it's cyclical, that means for the rest of the year, you could work on the next product idea. Yeah, well, and this is definitely one of my first big side projects I've shipped. 
I've worked on another project, but that was some years ago. This is my first one from scratch that I didn't join an existing team on and inherit some. Uh, and I did everything myself, which was super fun, and I learned a lot. It's always great to like dig in and do every little piece yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you learn so much from shipping side projects. It's crazy. So at the very least, I'll have a product out there that I've, you know, I know it. I know every stick of it because I did, yeah, I made all the decisions. I did everything. So right. I mean, this was a great experience, whether, whether it works and it succeeds or it doesn't and it eventually gets shut down or I sell it or whatever. It, yeah, it's been, it's been a huge benefit to learn how to ship something. So if you do freelancing like, like this month, is not going to get in the way of this financial year reporting? Yeah. So the free, so the freelancing offer I got, I, I needed to turn it down because I need to finish, I owe it to my clients to get them a, a outcome on their, for their taxes. That's part of our agreement. I, I need to get that done. Uh, for the FBAR stuff that I'm doing, that's, you know, hopefully later this afternoon, that'll <laughs> be in production. I can, uh, I can, uh, I can hit go on the marketing that I've been, been planning in the shower. So I can, <laughs> so hopefully that'll be, I, I can just, I just want to get out of the code on that project and get to work on that. And then as soon as things wrap up for the shred stuff, then I can really decide, all right, do I want to find more? Do I want to put some effort into freelancing? How, how do I want to do this? What okay. is the next six months? Okay. So you turned down that freelancing. Yeah. Yeah. So I left the door open and he seems to be interested in leaving the door open. So maybe when things settle down at the end of February, maybe there'll be, still be an opportunity for me, but that remains to be. Yeah. Because when like Americans need to file their F-bars like by April 15th, is that it? I had an infographic somewhere that was showing me. There's So the, the, the window for American taxes is opening soon. Okay. It might already be open. But yeah, there's there's a certain window that they need to begin filing. And I should be there for it exactly you know, I'm, uh, yeah exactly i'm here i am late this is going to be your marketing time your customer support time. exactly so i've been yeah just trying to get the app out there so that i can begin implementing this marketing it's been yeah and squaring that how i spend my time between getting this app and getting it out there versus working on my clients end of year has just been yeah i've been it's been a massive tug of war it's not easy i've I've tried to do side projects with a full-time job and I could not do it. I did not have the energy to do it. After a full week of coding for someone else, I just did not have the mind power, the, the energy. Whenever I tried, I would immediately burn out. Yeah. I would spend one weekend working on things, you know, working, working on a side project, only to realize not even if coding is fun, that doesn't mean that it's rest. Yeah. So when you get to Sunday night, you realize I didn't rest. I didn't get a weekend. I spent it all doing this and you wake up on Monday morning and you're just, oh, I, I was so irritated going to work, just kicking myself. Why did you work all weekend? It's just so, so stupid. Yeah, exactly. I had the same. And you know, like, like I was saying, if, if it's like meditation, like, but you could just do so many hours of it per day, mm -hmm. even when, you know, I have to be honest, even when I was working a full-time job, how much actual coding you got done with all the interruptions of an office space like maybe maybe four hours maybe maybe so yeah this this whole consulting thing has just been weighing on me a lot and it's funny i spent a lot of time over the weekend thinking this through and i feel so light today like i sat down this morning to write some code and i had zero distraction from my i wasn't being i wasn't pulling myself away 
thinking, being worried about my consulting or being worried that I'm not spending enough time or, oh, I should get back to those clients because they've been waiting or those people are looking for an answer because they're looking for a solution. You know, I really felt like I'd made a decision over to step away from this and, you know, decide that this will be, I won't continue this business. I'll keep the clients I have and decide what to do with them later, but that'll be it. And immediately I feel yeah. lighter. No, it sounds, it sounds like you're making the right decision for yourself. Is yeah. there is there a possibility of selling this business? Um, selling it, no. Selling relationships <laughs> potentially. No, I was imagining more like a, someone that wants to to quit their job and start something new, and you would say, "Well, here mm. I have this. You know, I, I have this thing that already has relationships. Like, I already has three customers. They most likely will renew for another year. Like, That's a really you know, good point. I can, actually, I can coach you through it for six months, and uh, then you'd be on your own." That's a very interesting idea. I guess when I think about selling businesses, I think about like a product that gets sold rather than a service itself. But it's I agree. Service businesses are so hard to sell. I was just I don't know, just throwing yeah, it I've out there. Never if it's a it's a possible yeah, out. I, yeah, conceivably. <laughs> so every every month I uh, I do a review of what I what my goals were for the mm-hmm. previous month and of what I did accomplish and what I. What I need to commit to doing for the next month because I didn't right. complete. So I do this review every every month. Uh, so last night during dinner, I asked my my wife and daughter and son. Like basically, I was I was telling them how I think for next month, for the next three months at least, I need to to build a new product underneath Power and Porter. So right now I have the Airtable to Webflow mm-hmm. sync, and I have a, a CSV file upload for Webflow. Right. And I was like, yeah, I should add a third one. Mm. And everyone was like, no, you need to, to market the ones you created first. <laughs> you know, we're talking about like a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, <laughs> and my wife. Like, but I was, I was like getting all excited about, oh, I want to get back into the code. Right? Mm. Like find a new problem that needs to be solved and then write the code for it. So I need to, to do marketing. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny amazing yeah your family's awesome and my, do- and my daughter was saying like, you were saying you have too much support now like why would you want to create a new product that's a very just, that's a very good point yeah it is because the the first few months are always the worst for support there might be some bugs to fix there might be some user user interface improvements to do yeah and it's i imagine too like it's running back running either running away from something or running to something running to the safe haven of code and the fun and the joy of code maybe running away from marketing and from support potentially absolutely that's what it is (laughs) well the marketing like the support i don't mind i like like talking to people and solving their problems but the marketing it's so hard for me yeah man actually I, i read something interesting last week someone was talking about how how they work it's a I think they're a solo entrepreneur mm-hmm. and they, they say they split their time between doing one week of dev and one week of marketing mm. and, and they alternate between the two. So I was intrigued by the idea. I was like, maybe, maybe that's what I should do because right now I'm trying to do like a few hours of marketing each day, right. but honestly, I'm, I'm failing at it. I do maybe 30 minutes of helping people answering questions in a forum and yeah, that, that's about it. Right. What I should be doing is content marketing and, and just sharing my videos around, writing articles, sharing those. I need to do some work on SEO. Like there's so much I, I could be doing. So maybe taking a week off 
from dev and doing just marketing is would be the right approach. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a so I think that's a great idea. First of all, I've even even you mentioning it, I was just thinking back of how I was juggling between consulting and dev. I've been finding planning out my next two weeks and saying this day specifically for for code, and then for because the consulting is so brain heavy, saying. All right, I'm I'm going to promise myself the equivalent of half a day's worth of consulting work because I'm planning lots of breaks for that day. Okay. Taking that hateful job and turning turning it into more lightweight pomodoros or something during the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm okay with the the very little marketing I'm doing now because it's a nice distraction to have during the day. So it's like, all right, I've I'm finished a big coding session. I need to take mm-hmm. a break. I go get a snack and then I'm just in front of the computer and it's like, oh yeah, I'll go hang out in the forums and answer people's cool. questions. Oh yeah, that you know, it's fun. That's yeah, my helping people and, and I get new little mini problems to solve. Like, mm. oh, this person says the redirects aren't working. So then I just curl the URLs and then I see the responses and, and honestly it feels like you have superpowers in, in these no code forums. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're like an elite user. Exactly. It's like they, they don't understand why their redirects don't work. And just by running a, the curl command, you can see right away, well, it's, it's not returning a 301. It feels like you have superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's how Superman felt when he landed on Earth. Are there a lo- I haven't been to the Webflow forums. Are there a ton of these questions? Do you get a lot of new users that are asking questions like this? Yeah. Um. Like I, I do get a lot of new users that come from the forums because I sprinkle my my URLs here and there whenever it's relevant to the answer. But uh, but otherwise, there's 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 a I mean there is a lot of design questions and I just ignore those because I am not a designer. Right. So I'm looking at people that have technical problems with automations or the CMS in general. So sometimes I I give data modeling suggestions automation suggestions that's where i get to mention power importer so it's, it's actually a really good channel for me oh totally yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense so but that's the kind of thing that I, I have to do a little bit every day like i i can't do a whole week full time of that mm-hmm. so i'll do like half an hour or one hour per day and it's it's a it's almost a distraction it's like a, a coffee break and yeah because i guess like all the other marketing is like like you say, like creating content outside of the forum, walkthroughs, solving problems, how-tos, all these exactly. kinds of things. Exactly. I mean, that's it. That If I did one week of marketing per every two weeks, it would be mostly content marketing. So it would be mm-hmm. actually making the content and then publishing, then scheduling when I'm going to publish the videos. But I feel like I still have to do like a little bit of marketing every day. Because like, let's say I publish one video in during that week, maybe I'll I'll record two videos, but I'm only going to produce, release one of them. And then every day, it seems like I have to spread that link around. Like yeah. Mention it a few times on Twitter, go into forums, post it there, go on the Slack channels, Facebook. Yeah, totally. yeah, I mean, it only makes sense. You're creating all this content. People have questions. They went to Google. They couldn't find the answer, so they went to the forums. Like, you have to spread it out somehow. You have to yeah. sprinkle your magic dust <laughs> exactly. all over the internet. And get over... Over the feeling that you're spamming. Yeah. That is the oh, hardest psychological hurdle. I'm, I'm Man, 
tell okay how do you do that i've like i <laughs> i get that i get that feeling when i answer like stack overflow questions oh i'm spamming these guys like here i'm giving them the answer exactly that they're looking for <laughs> oh gee, I, I feel so disingenuous <laughs> like, that, I, I feel like anything i write is just inauthentic no that's wrong i mean you're not even sharing a link or anything right you just yeah that's true <laughs> I, I think that's how i do it is like i if i see an opportunity to mention power importer it you know, it's great. I'll, I'll mention it. And I don't, and I try to start the answer with like an alternative solution. So, sure. you know, if their question is, how do I do this? Well, uh, you can use the API, you know, and I'll point them to where the API you can use it. Mm-hmm. And then I said, but if, if you just want a made for you turnkey solution, you know, give Power Importer a try. Sure. So that doesn't feel too spammy. Like, that, that feels totally normal. Yeah. And people, you know, they, they, they will flag my post as the solution to the question or they'll, okay. they'll heart it or respond nice. with the thanks. So, you know, I've never heard anyone say, stop spamming the forum. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm doing something right. But, but I still feel like I'm spamming. So sometimes I'll just answer questions that are completely not related to Power Importer. Like, for example, that, that redirect problem. That was an example that I found while I was searching it. And I just answered it because I was curious, why isn't it working? Hmm. And it, also I was wondering if Webflow was doing something on their side to like to block redirects. Right. So, so it was like an, an opportunity to learn more about how Webflow works. Sure. So, but so then by answering questions like that, I, I feel like I'm compensating for being a spammer. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's just being a good member of a community, though. Like, just yeah. like you say, like, it's not like I'm just shamelessly trying to plug my ebook or whatever. It's no, you you have a real, you have experience with this, you understand it, and you have the answer, really. Yeah, there's not much more to it. No, in the forums, I seem okay with it, but like on Slack, like, there's plenty of channels that I'm part of where I always see the same people post every single week. You know, here's a new blog post, and yeah. it's only self-promotional, and there's no shame about it. They're just Mm-hmm. and I don't I can't get myself to do it <laughs> I just I feel like uh, I can't do it but I, I need to like I need to get over that that psychological everyone else is doing it uh, well when you see those people do you think they are spamming or do you think they're actually adding value to the community like do you think their posts are actually helpful or are they just kind of like junk to to me it's it seems like spam. I go on the forum sometimes to, you know, to try to connect with other people. And then I feel like, no, it's, it's 90% is just these one way, like broadcasts. of here's a new blog post that this no code service has posted. That was a big, so I'm a, I bought the course from Amy Hoy and Alex Hillman, the 30 by 500 course. And they are very much about you know, go and find an audience and spend a lot of time with them, understand what their problems are and try to be as helpful as possible. And this was always a part of the course that I had the most trouble with. You can't teach someone to say, oh, I can tell you if me sending this is spam or not. Like that kind of promotion feels a little more genuous in like an email, uh, on an email list for, oh, you've signed up for my email list. I wrote a new blog post about um, redirects and Webflow. You should check it out. But because a lot of the time people would say things like, oh, well, you know, it felt wrong for me to promote this blog post that solves their problem just perfectly. So I basically just kind of copy and do some light editing and then paste that into the forums and don't link myself back. Or maybe I'll I'll give them, I'll give them exactly the answer as edited and maybe I'll provide a link out to my post with more 
advanced topics. Or, but it always felt like the part that I had the most trouble with. Of yeah, how do you link back to yourself? Or and it, yeah, is it is it getting over? Just like you say, like if it feels spammy, then it probably is spammy. But maybe it isn't, and that's something you have to get over. I, but even if I, I mean, I think it's it's like accepted spammy. It's like it is spammy. <laughs> everyone knows it's spammy, and it's like everyone is. I don't know. Like, do you sometimes get a feeling that there's this toxic positivity on social media? Where everything is always like, oh, thanks, you know, th- hey, family, thanks, family. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. it, and I don't know, it doesn't seem natural. Like, it, that's not how you talk to people in your community. Like, But on social media, it's always over-the-top positive. Like, everything you do is positive and you're feeling blessed. And <laughs> and, Hashtag and, blessed. Yeah, exactly. And I think Thanks, team. maybe that's part of it is people are being spammy, but everyone else doesn't want to be negative about it because everyone has to be positive. I'm trying to think about the social networks that I'm on and who I follow, because something about following someone gives you this sort of it's you, you approving them sending you things, whether it's a follow on Instagram or signing up for a, a mailing list or following them on Twitter. You're saying I want which but in a sort of watering hole where everyone exists together, where you're putting out content, it feels more one way, but they didn't necessarily sign up for you. You still put yourself... But they went there to consume something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like the golden rule is like 90% of people just consume and 10% produce. So when, you, when you're joining a community, most likely you're just there to learn. You're just going to... So maybe it's not spam. Maybe that's what they signed up for. And if everyone else is doing it, it's kind—it's kind of like the accepted etiquette of that group. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's what you do. It's all self-promotion. I mean, most of the time it is helpful. I'm sure the blog post does help someone. Yeah, let's say there was something inside of Webflow that was very configuration-heavy, and people didn't understand what each step did. And a piece of content you created was, all right, I'm going to create like the ultimate guide for getting through this configuration, and it's a blog post. And yeah, that's one way. Or that feels like one-way communication, but you're really helping. You're helping a lot of potential people who ask the same questions over and over. Like that's yeah. like every time you get somebody that asks, like, how do I automate the syncing of this to this? Like ultimately, your post saying, well, you could do it yourself via the API or Power Importer, could be sticky, really, because it's such a common yeah. question. I mean, that's why I think the video tutorials will be the right content marketing avenue. Hmm. I mean, there's the there's the SEO part of it, just the fact that when someone's searching, like, how do I make a job board and connect Airtable to Webflow? Like, I, they will find my video. But but then I also think posting the video in those Facebook groups and those Slack channels, yeah, it will feel a little bit spammy, but it might help someone, you know, or someone might be really curious. Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to build a job board. I'm curious. You know, and it's kind of, it's it's consumption, right? They, they're, yeah. they're joining that group because they want to consume stuff. Yeah. And, oh, here's a tutorial. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, I, that's that feels really good, actually, when you, when you put it that way. I'm signing up for this Slack group. I'm joining this forum because I'm interested in the topic. Yeah. And people are going to ask questions, and I'm going to read them. I'm here to consume. I'm here to learn. If you're putting stuff out there that's act- actively helpful and people are clicking on it, then great. That's a great sign. It makes sense, right? In, the, in this cons- consumer, in this, in this world that in this consumer world that we live in, right? Like if, you know, if you're watching television, like you're, you're not the user, right? <laughs> yes. Like the advertisers for the commercial breaks are, are the real customers. Mm. 
so yeah, I guess it makes sense that if you're joining a group and you just want to consume, well, yeah, the it's going to be the service providers that are going to provide the content. And I guess too, like the point of communities can upvote and downvote. So if you are yeah. being like horrifically spammy, then you know no one's going to click on what you're doing, or you'll be reported. So yeah, I mean, those give you <laughs> those are some metrics. Like, oh, I'm right. posting in this Slack channel and people are actually clicking on it. That's great. That means that I'm posting something of interest. No, you're right. And and I've seen some people like on some Facebook groups that they post every single week, you know, here's my new video and they don't get any of the likes or comments. Mm-hmm. So, but they're not being banned from the group. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's, it's just, yeah, it's that, uh, I don't know, that positive kind of attitude to just, just ignore it. Just, yeah. you don't have anything bad to say, anything good to say, just don't say anything at all. Yeah. And the realistic part of it too is you're also just trying to help. Like you're, yeah, yeah it'd be great to make a sale, but your blog, your the content you're creating isn't buy power importer now. <laughs> it's yeah, no, exactly. And 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 I'm not selling snake oil. Like no, you know, I'm actually selling something that brings value to people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. So to come full circle, I guess you should feel a lot better about the content you produce, and you should send it everywhere yeah. all the time, constantly. I guess yes. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Be a proud spammer. Yeah. Well, you should. You should. You should be a proud creator. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. So, the, so then to go back to that question of if you know if I do a week of dev and a week of marketing, I guess that works if during the week of marketing I'm really just producing content, but I still can't get away from the, the actual spreading. I was just gonna say spreading. <laughs> I think I have to do a little bit every day, right? Yeah. Or if you do want to concentrate it. Make sure that you plan rewards for yourself. So like I did a really hard thing or I did a thing that was very uncomfortable for me. I put this content out here. I'm going to plan a, I'm going to have a drink or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to post it at 3 PM and then I'm going to play a video game for the rest. I'm going to take the rest of the day off or something. Okay. Give, give yourself some kind of reward because <laughs> it's hard. I, yeah. I think it is, it is difficult to put yourself out there. I like it. No, you're right. It's really hard and it's always been. It's always been my shortcoming in all the the businesses that I've started. It's it's always been uh, all the ones that have failed is definitely because of because of the lack of should I say? Sure. Yeah, it's so hard doing doing things that we're uncomfortable with is just brutal work. It's so yeah. difficult. And sometimes I you know I ask myself why am I doing this then if if mm-hmm. I know how important marketing is and starting your own business means that you have. I feel like uh, the founder of Insomnia app, the API clients. He has this awesome quote in one of the posts that he wrote, and it said something to the effect of, my fear of failure overtook my fear of inaction. It's just that at some point, it's like, <laughs> I have to go out and market this thing because I'm so afraid to, that all my work's just going to go to zero and, and not be worth anything that he, at, at some point it, it was enough to kick him in the ass and, and get him out marketing. And I'm kind of hoping that that falls on me because I'm terrified right. of marketing, but you got to i mean yeah like yeah i don't know man this is so hard this is so hard it is and you know and my like my dream my my fantasy is that i just i'll just make a product and then it will spread word of mouth and seo and and then i don't have to do anything about marketing but that is a pipe dream (laughs) yeah unfortunately you can always send your content to me and i'll post it Hey, that's a good idea. Because <laughs> if the scary part is you hitting post, uh, hitting post on the for in the forum, you can just send it to me and I'll hit post on the forum. There you go. Yeah, but 
uh, can we use your account though? <laughs> yeah, so sure. They, so they can call you the spammer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the other solution is to find a a co-founder, right? Like someone that loves marketing and sales mm. could just do that yeah. part. I always forget that that's that's an option. Like finding somebody who not only enjoys it but has expertise. In- yeah, I know some people love it. My one of my last businesses, like what I did have some some uh, co-founders. Mm-hmm. There were these three guys, and you know one of them was an Instagram influencer with like two million followers. Holy crap! The two other guys were just they were into MLM, mm-hmm. multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they just love it. They love to hustle and just to talk to people and sell, sell, sell. So we were selling uh, an Instagram, I guess, as, as basically an Instagram service that would increase your followers, but it would it did it organically. Like it didn't just you weren't buying fake followers. Mm-hmm. It it would take over your account and simulate some real human interactions that got you followers, and it was really effective. Like. I had 150 followers on my Instagram account and I I used it on my account and within two months I had 2,000 followers. Decent. It was like a a 1,000 followers a month you'd get from the algorithm. Cool. So, you know, so the product worked. So, of course, I did all all, all the dev. So I did Mm -hmm. all the dev for the algorithm. It worked. And then their job was just to sell. And they did it. And then they, you know, they did like one big push and then they just sat back and just watched it grow and they went on to their other businesses. Right. So I've had this problem of trying to build a business with a co-founder is you, especially as the technical guy at the beginning, you do a lot more work than they do. Yeah. Right. You're building the whole thing. So I, I spent two months full time on it while they're doing nothing. Sure. And then when it's time to sell, like they didn't put two months full time on it. Right? Yeah. They, they, they put maybe a week. And then sat back, did a little bit more. And then you feel like, well, this is, yes, they're doing the job that I hate doing. And they did a great job at it mm-hmm. the first few weeks. Like, they, you know, they were producing results. But then after that, if I guess the easy sales were all done. They, they reached out to their networks and all that. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it was, you need to reach out to, to the next level of people, like complete strangers yeah. or yeah. do cold outreach or whatever ask for intros from your network yeah exactly yeah. like mm-hmm. the, the job gets harder right and then yeah. i guess they they had other things to do than to do that and then instagram shut us down so yeah, no. <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. killed the business yeah their hand was forced in the end yeah so when i was getting started with the consulting business i was a part of an accelerator or what not an incubator based they don't take any equity or anything but they give you some business co- uh, business coaching but then there's also like a I went through a validation program it's a really interesting lens to like view how businesses work anyway one of the big components of it was going out and talking to customers and it was an eight-week program and you needed to be doing like 10 interviews or, or something insane and I was just one person so uh, in the beginning I felt like I was getting <laughs> at the time I'm sure it was it, it was not a stern talking to but it felt like a stern talking to about week four because I was managing to do like four interviews a week and i was feeling really bad because how do you where am i gonna find these people and then i just became ruthless after that of like talking to people in my network 
and saying, hey, I could really use a hand with this. There's a person, you know, I, I got really good with LinkedIn of just saying, okay, I know you work for company X. There's a person that's two levels above you. Can you intro them to me? And you also used to work at these three places. Can you put me in touch with this guy and this guy and this guy? And like, you just become ruthless of, of getting in touch with people and be, and not being afraid to follow up. And now I, so I kind of learned how to do that and realized that this is what helped wake me up to the idea of an ideal customer. When you talk to people who have your problem, man, they want to talk to you. When I talked to some people about Shred, man, they were spending so much time on it. And yeah. they, they would talk my ear off because they were hoping for anything that could help them deal with the pain that they're in. So I think back to, I've listened to a lot of Art of Product with Ben Ornstein and Derek Reimer. And Ben talks about talking to all these companies at the beginning of like, well, what are you doing for pairing? And he doesn't talk that much about how he talks to these people, but you know, he, they all have followings and that sort of thing. So I'm sure he's asking for intros and I'm sure he's doing all of this in order to do, in order to do pre-sales. Yeah. But yeah, looking at, looking at that situation of like, oh, I wonder how much pre-sales were happening and were they not okay with the momentum or it wasn't easy enough i don't know i guess it's always hard to know when it's not you but yeah the idea of pre-sales and just getting out there and hitting the pavement you and did grinding. It. during those eight weeks you did you reach the goal of what was it 80 or 100 yeah it was somewhere between 75 and 100 i interviewed i interviewed like 70 i think wow i got yeah i I'm pretty sure my network just hated me after that because it was just like, <laughs> well, it, like you, you're at that point, you're the object is like talk to as many freaking people as you can, and it's like, right. all right, well, let me hit up every ex coworker I've ever had, and if they remember me, then I want to talk to the, I want to talk to everybody around who they're working with today, like friends I went to university with, like I haven't seen in ten years, like yep, hit them up, let's go, <laughs> they can't be screwing around, we gotta get to a hundred. Like yeah, you when you, it, for whatever reason I obsessed about that metric. I've I've never well, I've done cold emailing. That's about it, because you can you can automate it and not not be yeah. so personal about it, right? Make yeah. it, it it felt easier. Yeah, cold emailing. I tried that too. I tried uh, I tried cold outreach on LinkedIn. I tried cold email. And then it was all warm intros from friends. That was what yielded all my results, which makes sense. Somebody okay. says, oh, this is my old friend, Maddie, wants to chat with you for 15 minutes about how we do this thing that's really painful. Can you talk to him? Right. And they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, what you were saying, how when you talk to someone and they have that problem you're trying to solve, like it feels so easy. But the problem is, is getting that conversation. <laughs> yeah. How do you how yeah. do you find that person? Yeah. Yeah, because I think like if I had to switch, if I was going to grow the consulting business now, now that I have a very clear understanding of who my ideal customer is, because I realized I thought in the beginning it engineers that had the problem and they do have the problem, but they don't they don't care enough to listen. Even if even if you're like, I can solve this problem completely for you. A lot of the time that's not enough. It's not a compelling enough reason for people, which is kind of strange, but it, re it really is true. So I realized that the, the inroad there was through the finance door. Yeah. So finding the person who runs the, who runs the book and talk to them. Yeah. And if you can come in and say, oh, by the way, you're an X person organization. You're probably, I, I think I can increase your rates by 15%. You should give me a shout. At that point, that they get you in, and then they just throw you over to the fence to the engineering, or and then yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, cool. I understand the motivation of who's going to listen to me and everything else. Because yeah, so if I was the engineer, still gets paid his salary if uh, if the company doesn't get a tax credit. Exactly. They don't. Yeah, they don't care really. Yeah. So yeah, find the stakeholder that matters. But even then, like 
it took me a long time to figure that out. So, it, like, depending on what you were doing cold email for, like, if you were going to do cold email for Power Importer, for example, it's like figuring out, like, yeah, what does your ideal customer really look like? And does that ideal customer have a name, like a, like a role in a company or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I mean, it's it's not on my list of top channels to use. Yeah, no way. Yeah, no. You're, you've get, you're getting great results through the Webflow forums. Yeah, no, exactly. The, the the forums and the Slack channels and Twitter it seems yeah. to it seems good so far. Yeah, yeah, cold emailing is very low on the list. Oh God! Hopefully, <laughs> it never appears on the list. That that's something I do with each new business idea that I have. Like my one of the first things I want to solve is channels. Like what what are they going to be the channels? Mm-hmm. And I read the book Traction by the one of the founders of DuckDuckGo, and. It's it's a great book. So each time I start a new business, I I just scan through the book of every channel they mention, and I I try to find like the top three for this business. Like for this business, what what are going to be the top three channels? And then I then I try to work on a strategy. What's going to be my strategy for those channels? And start brainstorming yeah. ideas. And yeah, I channels are the definitely my weak point. Even with F bars, the channels that I decided to go with or that I believe will work are you know there's a big market out there of i guess you'd call them consultancies but they're practices effective that are uh that only do expat taxes for america because there's a ton of americans living abroad so i see them everywhere and my wife is american so she's in a lot of these groups she's seen you know that these people exist and then i heard about uh, i actually listened to an episode of the tropical mba uh and i heard one of the uh, one of the the guest at the of the week was one of the he was the founder of uh greenback expat tax service and they're a huge one and there are other huge so i was starting to look at it and think like oh well i mean my customers are showing ads to me so that's how i know where to attack of just like i can, can just google expat taxes and everybody who's showing an ad is effectively my customer oh, okay so hopefully that <laughs> hopefully that's actually the case and that turns into something but I mean, of the cold calling I've done so far, I've called cold called tax consultancies that do American filings or that help with American filing. And uh, I've gotten phone calls from all of them. Uh, they've all been interested in meeting with and nice. hearing about the solution, how I can help and how I can make their business better and faster. Because the big unique thing about FBARs, you know, if, you're not an, if you're not a U.S. expat, um, your foreign banking report is the one thing that your accountant can't do for you. You have to either print off all of your statements and give them to your accountant, and they're going to charge you by the hour to leaf through your accountants to get the highest balance, or they're going to ask you to do it yourself. And if they ask you to do it yourself, of the people I've spoken to, they've all mentioned that, oh yeah, we finish their taxes long before they get us their FBAR amounts. That's the thing that's holding us up. So in their case, they're happy to have a tool that they can just give to their people and say, use this, it'll get a, it'll get the number right away, just do it really quick. And so for them, that looks like a great problem that they have. Yeah, that sounds like the best channel because by talking to a few people, the amplitude, the fact that they have multiple customers, they're going to promote it too. Exactly. And like their whole thing is, um, it's kind of like that agency model of go, like going up market I feel like I've heard a lot of stories of this. You have a solution and you're trying to find businesses to sell it to, but it turns out that you're actually better off finding agencies that service those businesses because those agencies are very good at lead generation. So if you go up market to the agencies, you can charge more to the agents and empower them to service their customers who you are already servicing. Right. 
So it just becomes easier to be like, oh, well, there's a lot fewer agencies and I can charge them a lot more because they're better, they're better at finding individuals. Yeah, I never thought about the fact that the big part of the agency's business is finding leads. Yeah, I've spoken to a few agencies when I was doing my customer development at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's on like the back burner that that would be a, a good way like, to to market the power importer. It would be to talk to studios and mm-hmm. and see how I don't know maybe an affiliate program or yeah, it's interesting. I don't know much about these agents and what sort of ongoing support they provide. Like when you go to an agency, do they typically give you a deliverable? Here is a zip of all the work that we've done, and then they walk away. Do they typically look after hosting for you? Yeah, I mean, I've I haven't spoken to a lot of them, so I can't give you a percentage. Yeah, but uh, I've seen both. I've seen okay. some where they only do this, these one-time jobs, like oh, you you want a website with a blog and uh, an e-commerce store, and they just they, they design it, they they give you a WordPress installation, and mm-hmm. that's it. You're off on your own. Okay. And like and those studios, when I was talking to them, like they wanted to use my my CSV upload feature. But but they right now I charge per Webflow website, right? And you know they were hoping for like one price for like unlimited Webflow websites. And so I I sort of put it on hold for now. Like well that's that's not what I was looking for at the very beginning. That was my first idea was the CSV upload. Mm-hmm. But then by talking to people, I realized most of them their content was coming from Airtable. Like they were going to export Airtable as a CSV and then import it to Webflow. Ah. So then I decided to pivot. Like Instead of making that one the first product, that would make us Airtable sync the first product because that one has the most chances of being recurring. Like I was thinking that is most likely going to be a recurring revenue where they're using Airtable as their source of truth and then they want to sync it regularly Webflow. Yeah, totally. So that's the first product that I built. So then, when studio, you know, a studio like that was telling me they wanted to, to do these one-time jobs with CSV files, and it's like, yeah, maybe the studio would be a recurring customer, but yeah, I see. But then, you know, how many studios are out there compared to how many founders there are, like that are trying to build their, their, their product themselves? Yeah, it seemed like the founder market was bigger. Yeah. It's interesting to think the market might be smaller for agencies, but how much could you charge? Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, some of these agencies were like in Eastern Europe or India, and mm-hmm. they they don't charge a lot. Okay. So yeah. they, I don't think they would pay a lot either. Yeah, that's... I mean, <laughs> some of them were even telling me how they have a hard time selling Webflow as a solution to their customers. Because, you know, Webflow hosting is like starts at 25 bucks a month, I think, or... 36 a month yeah it's definitely in the realm of website builders out there it's definitely a premium product yeah exactly and a lot of their customers were like no we just want you know wordpress so we can host it for six bucks a month for yeah not your customer (laughs) (laughs) Or, or not the customer you want probably no exactly so yeah for now i'm concentrating on founders yeah i mean you're you're already seeing great metrics i i would i mean i think your metrics are sick so far but yeah. so yeah like i think you're you're definitely it's definitely working you're seeing signs of it working yeah exactly and and you know it's it's always guesswork right like I, you just got to make you just got to make the the best bet so that that's the best bet that i i chose was oh, I'll, I'll go with the recurring from founders it turned out I, it was a lucky bet <laughs> yeah hell yeah 
I'm really excited for you. Like just, you'll be able to to actually have it in the hands of users and get some feedback. Yeah, it'll be nice to send a page to people that isn't just like, "Hey, click here to give me your email, <laughs> sign yeah. up for this thing." Be like, "No, no, here's the thing. You can pay. You can give me." Awesome. So the, your your plan is to offer it free for for like how many people? Yeah. So the so on my list right now, I think I have about a dozen people. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to. I want to message one person and just go through for free just to see it working end to end. Um, But after that, I'm not really comfortable doing anything for free after that. Like I want to attach, I need to get some clear business signal as to whether or not people will actually do this. So I want to, even if it's like five bucks flat or whatever it is, I I don't know, 10 bucks flat and have it be done. Um, Even if I lose money on it, I just want to see that people are willing to pay because it might maybe people signed up and maybe they're just interested in seeing the service working um, and they're not actually interested in paying for it. But either way, I, I want to charge something. Uh, but don't don't go for five bucks because <laughs> then because then uh, what do you do after that? Let's say they are willing to pay five bucks, but then you try ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you know maybe you could have you know charged thirty instead. Yeah. Well, so right now the plan I have for pricing is. Uh, seven dollars per account. Okay. So, uh, you connect your RBC and you have three accounts you need to file. Your overall cost would be twenty one dollars. Okay. Um, so that was kind of my initial idea for pricing, and I was gonna run it and see what people. Think. I'm interested in having somebody run through. I, 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 maybe that's a, maybe that's an unjust fear. I'm thinking like, oh, I really want to see somebody who isn't me run through. But why not someone who isn't me run through and charging money? Why make it free at all? Like, just charge what you were going to charge or whatever. Like, charge them something and show that it's working. If somebody's not willing to pay you, this isn't a business. So, or offer a very good, like, money back guarantee, right? Like, you know, it's it's, it's $7 an account. Try it. If, If for whatever reason it doesn't produce the right numbers, or you can get your money back, at least for the first ones, see if. You know, I mean, because uh, in the long run, you might have scammers that this they start spreading the word. Hey, yeah, yeah, just sign up and then ask for and then a say refund. You hate it. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I think it's okay if you don't don't charge at all for the for one person, mm-hmm. just to put your mind at ease. That I think that's fine. I mean, it, you're looking for for feedback on the product also, not just pricing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, I agree with you. If if this is a problem that you know you're solving a problem, you're in this case you're solving like. A pain in the neck, like hours yeah. of looking at line items, keeping keeping a notepad on the side to remember what what was the highest balance. No, it just. I mean, I, you know, I use tax software, and now I have to file for you know me, my wife, and my daughter. Like, so I pay even more for it. But it's mm. there's no way I'm going back to paper. Like, no way. Yeah, for, yeah, forget it. For, yeah, you know, no, this... I'll pay whatever. It's forty bucks, fifty bucks, whatever. I'll pay whatever it is. If I can get my taxes done in, in half an hour instead of hours, I'm fine with that. And I'm guessing this is equivalent. Like these people are already paying to file their taxes. Yeah. This is an extra fee to save more time. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, an add-on. It, 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 that's exactly right. That's a perfect way of putting it. Like they're, like people don't screw around with their – when it comes to the American government and taxes, you don't screw around. You hire a professional to help you get through and get it done. Looking forward to, 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 for next week's update. Yeah, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no, it's uh, the 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 big thing at least happening this weekend is um, to escape uh, pandemic in Montreal. I moved to uh, Nova Scotia. I moved to Halifax. I'm from here originally, and my quarantine is up 
on Friday. I'm so, so jealous. <laughs> so uh, this weekend, I'm definitely not working. I'm going to go to a gym. Oh, shut up. <laughs> little dose of real life. So, yeah, so it's got to be done before Friday. No choice. Okay, good. Okay, back to work. All right. All right Talk to you next week. You too.